the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. It is Steve Teal with Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I want to tell you that this is part two of my interview with Dr. Craig Keener, well-esteemed scholar, PhD, all of it. He's written a book, Miracles Today, and we're talking to him. This is part two about some of those miracles, and you're going to be blessed. So join me for part two with Dr. Craig Keener. But I was trying to have faith, you know, but finally one day came, and this was pretty far along in the summer, so you know, the odds of finding a teaching position that late were very small. Yeah. And somebody somebody said, well, just tell the Lord how much you need. I'm like, I don't think it works like that. But I didn't figure <laughs> out how much I needed. And I was like, oh, Lord, barring a miracle. And my mother, being a good mom, had had been saying, do you have a job yet? Do you have a job yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't have a job yet. And so finally the next day I had to write to her. And say, barring a miracle, and I said that like three times, I'm going to be on the street this year. Wow. Not not literally right. in the street. I mean, I, I could have found a fast food job and, right, right. you know, I would have had to downsize my apartment. I don't know what I would have done with my research files. You couldn't put them on a flash drive back then. Right, right. You can see. <laughs> yeah, so, I love it. <laughs> and so I, I uh, but less than 24 hours after I had decided how much I needed to live on. And right after I'd sent the letter to my mom, I got a phone call from the prospective publisher for the background commentary. They said, we'd like to offer you an advance on it. It was to the dollar what I had decided the night before I needed to live on that year. And so that year I spent going from my my research notes and writing the, the first draft of the background commentary. That's crazy. That's, that is amazing. It just blows my mind. Wow. Boy, that's uh it's pretty cool too, just to see the way God works and he's so mysterious. You know, you talk about in your book, um, of course, just given a balanced approach that, you know, someone is healed dramatically over here, or they have a child who's healed dramatically of something just amazing. And then another child is, their own child is not healed or has something else. Um, But it is also just when you can see just how God works, even just the little circumstances of if you had got that job as a professor somewhere, I mean, I don't know when you were going to write that book or, or or whatever. Um, It's just really cool to see God at work. And even I think you mentioned in your book that, 
you had published, which I think is amazing. You had published two books while you were a PhD candidate, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wrote them then. Happily, they they came out afterwards. So, um, I mean, they yeah, they came out. I think the first the first year out. So when I was, um, yeah, when I was writing the other one. Okay. Well, I think you mentioned that some of the other books that uh, the royalties didn't come until mm-hmm. after they were published. So when you were talking uh, with InterVarsity, you know, you're expecting that's going to be the same case and they right. were giving you an advance. Um, I mean, that's just really cool. All right. My my thoughts, I apologize, are just going so many different places. I have the uh, couple of water walking, walking on water stories um and that come to my mind that pretty amazing and also the other one that bounces around is even early on i think that uh, there was a storm or two and your example was not to show necessarily that your prayer was working to stop a storm or two but that people interpret you know the act of god in different ways i think your your son made a funny comment after one of those but uh you tell me which one you want to talk about the the storms that you mentioned in the beginning or the one or two of the water walking examples that you mentioned which one um well i can briefly mention the water wa- walking examples um both of these examples are from Indonesia, which, of course, has a lot of water. <laughs> uh, but um, in neither case was it like just to entertain somebody like. Um, yeah, like, pool party where. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me show off my water walking skills. <laughs> yeah. But it was like this was uh, needed for ministry. So in the one case, they felt like the Lord had told them to go evangelize in this one region. And the bridge was out. And so they got there, and the river was at flood stage. I mean, there were trees being carried downstream. It was yeah. it was really strong, which is probably why the bridge was out too. And so they were like, "What are we going to do? You know, we can go up like fifty miles, walk up fifty miles this way, and yeah. to the next bridge." But they, the the team leader who who was one of the more bold ones. He said, no, I feel like God is telling me we can cross this. And so he starts crossing it. And I I had to actually check on on a map yeah. to see how big this river was. It's it's not it's not a creek, it's not a stream. Yeah. It's a, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like uh, I don't know how to illustrate, but like just really, really far across. Like yeah. you know. I guess with my glasses on, maybe I could see to the other side, but I'm so nearsighted. I, that's something that hasn't been healed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. I, right. I, I, I can't, you know, I wouldn't be able to see to the other side. And so um, this guy, though, he, he's he's walking out there and it's coming up to his, uh, to his, well, it's coming up past his ankles. It's finally coming up toward his knees, but he's like almost halfway out. And so he says, come on, you guys, it's not that deep. So they get in and they, they walk across too. Now, if they had known that it really was deeper than they thought it was, they probably wouldn't have done it or they would have been like Peter. Oh Lord, whoops. What am I doing? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So they get to the other side and they're, they're evangelizing and all sorts of things happen. They're raising from the dead in the village far beyond that. And the village turns to faith in Christ because Mm -hmm. of that. Well, it's when they get back to 
the people who were on the other side of the river, uh, they 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 find out. Uh, yeah, you 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 guys walked across water, and they were like, "No, we didn't. It just wasn't that deep." And they said, "Oh yeah, it was. You know, we had somebody who just tested it out. We had to pull him out before he drowned because it really was that deep." So they didn't realize they were doing it, but it was it was just part of their ministry. Now, again, this is a story that is an eyewitness. It's not you don't have medical documentation for walking right, along. Right, right. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, it's more than one witness that these things were happening in Indonesia. There were um, multiple witnesses of these things happening, and actually, they were happening at the Big West Timor revival in the 1960s. Okay. Uh, well, the other one actually was more recent. The other one where I interviewed somebody, but but during the West Timor revival in Indonesia, there was a a German scholar who said, "Okay, I believe God can do miracles, but I think some of this must be exaggerated." He went there and he actually witnessed water turn to wine. He witnessed blind eyes being opened. I don't think he witnessed anybody walking on water. I don't think he was out where the people yeah. <laughs> where that yeah. was yeah. happening, but. Uh, uh, but he he witnessed these things on more than one occasion, and he got affidavits from other witnesses because he knew nobody was going to believe him when he got back. Right. So, yeah, it's God does things when they're needed. Right, right, right. It's amazing, man. He's so gracious, and I do love you know how you talk about. Um, the doctors and how you talk about the um, the babies, the, the kids that are healed, the babies in particular, just because it seems like our bless our hearts, Western mindset that wants to reject or wants to think, yeah, that's Indonesia. Uh, yeah, that's Africa, whatever are just bless us, um, you know, and come up with, well, yeah, the power of suggestion or psychomatic sort of things, but it's hard for a baby to be under a psychomatic uh, sort of situation. Can you think, and I'm, this is not very fair to put you on the spot when I've just read the book, but can you think of an example of one of those sort of baby stories that you remember? And I'm, I, I said, it's not very fair. I can just open up the book real quick. <laughs> <clears throat> the first one that came to my mind isn't the strongest one because the, the the medical documentation is incomplete. I mean, it shows before and after, but it doesn't show that it was instant. So, okay. um, but there's another one. Yeah. Uh, another one that I think of is where the baby was born dead and they were, th- this one has medical documentation with it. In fact, the, um, mm. It's on video, the interview with the doctor who was there, um, two of the nurses who were there, as as well as, of course, with the parents. And I think it was Dr. Judalina. Um, and and they were like, this this isn't the kind of thing that normally happens. So yeah. the the baby was pronounced dead. The, the the mother was like screaming, God, please. <laughs> and yeah. and the father was crying out to God. And this big sister was crying out to God. And um while they were getting ready to just send the baby to the morgue, I think it had been like half an hour. Um, 
the baby suddenly starts breathing again and had no brain damage. And, uh, and there, there are other, other cases like that in there. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's so many cases. And again, um, just the documentation and the, for those, for those skeptical people, and I know people, even with the documentation, if they want to refuse to believe or refuse to accept, that's, that's what they're going to do. Um, and I know one of the questions people ask and you address is just, well, why is it that things happen more over there than they happen, you know, here in America? And for one, um, your, your book, again, Miracles Today, just... Uh, there's tons of stories that are in America and uh, but you also address why it may seem that way and why it may be that way. Do you want to address that here a little bit? Sure. I mean, obviously it's going to happen more frequently elsewhere, not least because the U S is only like 6% of the world's population. So we're not going to have the majority of cases. We (laughs) forget. But uh, also, there, there are other factors. I mean, it's like my friends in Africa say, look, you've you've got medical technology. That's God's blessing. Praise God for working through doctors and, and those things. It's not like, you know, when Jesus multiplied the fishes and the loaves, afterwards he says, gather up the fragments that remain. They're not going to need a miracle for the next meal. It's not for our entertainment. That's it's right. because it was needed. Right. So, you know, we should thank God for that. Sometimes... We don't need a miracle because God is working through the ordinary means he's created. That's the most common way God is working all the time all around us. Right. Um, but then also, so so part of it is the need, but also part of it is, I think, um, on the cutting edge of evangelism, that's the, you know, with the groundbreaking for the kingdom, that's the kind of situation you have in the Gospels and Acts. So you're going to expect it more frequently in those cases, you're also not going to expect it as often in places where people aren't going to pay any attention anyway, where people are always going to find some other explanation. I mean, and, and that's not surprising. I mean, when Pharaoh sent his army into the, into the sea to chase Moses down, it wasn't because they hadn't seen the, the, the pillar of fire. It wasn't because they hadn't seen the water part. It's because they had a different theological explanation. Well, our gods are more powerful than your gods. Right. Or when Lazarus is raised from the dead, and some believe, but then some go their way and report it to the Pharisees and say, right. look, this is what you got to do. You've got to stop this guy. Right. So, I mean, some some people in our culture are so predisposed not to believe. Although I think if they see it themselves, might get their attention. I know when I was an atheist, even hearing some of these stories would have given me reason to stop and think and, you know, just file it away for the moment. But, um, but also we do have a legacy of human anti-supernaturalism. So, I mean, our worldview is not as amenable to this as some others. And I think that does affect faith. And like the stories I told you before from my own life, it's not like I have perfect faith myself. Right. I don't. But, you know, it only takes a mustard seed of faith. But for some of us, a mustard seed comes hard because we've been so socialized into, you know, the first thing we do is look for another explanation. Right. That's not entirely wrong because you don't want to be gullible. People can lie. Yep. Uh, Yep. People certainly can misinterpret what a doctor says. 
doctors can misdiagnose things. I think any doctor will tell you that happens sometimes. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are other possible explanations for some things, but then there are plenty of cases where, you know, you, you narrow it down and like, there's no other possible explanation. And I think those should be enough to get our attention and make us realize God doesn't have to do it all the time. If he did, we'd speak of it as his regular working in nature. We wouldn't call it a miracle. There's all sorts of things God does regularly for us. But when God does something extraordinary, it's a blessing to all of us, whether it happened to us or not, because it's a reminder of God's promise that there's coming a time in the fullness of his kingdom when all blind eyes are going to be healed. Yeah. All walking disability is going to be healed where he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more death. Yes. So he gives us these foretastes of his kingdom along the way to encourage our faith. Mm. Mm. That's good. That is really good. Um, I'm reminded as of so many things while you're talking, uh, one of which, and I, and I love that again, just the balanced approach, you know, just the, the already, the not yet, the foretaste, the promises and, uh, man, just considering why, why God would do this some of the time, um, as he does. And a story that comes to my mind that you document, you write about is, uh, uh, some of these raisings from the dead and uh, one of which I think it might've been in Rwanda, but I'm not positive, but a man who had died um, was raised during his funeral. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know. Do you remember anything about that off the top of your head? I just. Yes, actually he, he, uh, he was a Muslim when he died, but he was a Christian when he came back to life. I didn't even <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but he'd already been considering it. But, you know, after he met the Lord, he was like, yep, I know now. <laughs> and because and, uh, he wasn't ready. And so, but he came back and he sits up and starts preaching. And the Anglican um, pastor in the area was, uh, was there. And so he joined him in the preaching. Uh, you know, he'd been witnessing to him before, before this. And, you know, the guy, the guy had been an imam before this, like his father was an imam. And so the whole crowd gets to hear the gospel. The whole crowd gets to see what just happened. And the guy, uh, you know, I've talked with, with this guy, but also the uh, Western historian who, uh, helped him write the write the book the first the first time through. Um, was was there in Rwanda and and talking with the the other people and and just they would run into people on the streets who were actually you know just talking with them about yeah you know we were converted at your funeral because <laughs> because we witnessed this you know so it's like just random people they'd run into. That is amazing. That is, that is beautiful. I I just love that God's, God's goodness and, and God's grace. Um, man, let, and, let me ask you. You have, you, you have uh, also cases that are reported yeah. by, by the doctors who were there as well. Right. Um, like the one in West Palm beach where the guy was flatlined for 40 minutes. 
Yeah. And the doctor had just signed the death certificate and then, you know, went out and the doctor was a Christian and the Lord led him to go back and pray for the man to have a second chance to know the Lord. And the guy who was dead, Jeff Markin, his extremities already turned black from cyanosis. So he wasn't just dead. He was very visibly dead. His face had turned black from, from the lack of oxygen. He came back to life, no brain damage. And uh, Sean George is another case in Australia uh, where he himself was the doctor. That one wasn't instant. You know, it was three days before he regained consciousness, but you know, he had been, he had been flatlined for over an hour Mm. and the other doctors were there. The other doctors testified this can only be a miracle. These other doctors weren't all Christians. I think one of his colleagues was a Christian, one was a Hindu, one was a Muslim, you know, but they all say this is a miracle. God did this. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that happened when his wife, Sherry Jacob, who's also a physician, prayed. But I mean, you've got, (laughs) you've just got so many examples. And, you know, in my own immediate circle, again, I didn't, I didn't witness any of these, yeah. but people that I, that I know and that I knew before, you know, I knew their stories about the miracles. There are 10 people in my own immediate circle or my wife's immediate circle who either witnessed people being raised or were themselves raised. A couple were themselves raised. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I couldn't break down you. You broke down the numbers and the the odds of you know uh, how many people. I mean, you're so close to that uh, have experienced like these dramatic, uh, dramatic miracles. Um, it's it's simply uh, amazing. Um, man, I wanted to ask you. I I want to ask you just as a critical scholar you know, so well-respected. Um, and you mentioned that in the book and for some of these doctors um, who are testifying about these miracles that they can be criticized for that. And then it kind of breaks my heart that in the world of biblical scholarship that you would run into something similar. Can you tell me some of the positive reception from your colleagues and then just explain the natural, the way it is, uh, negative <laughs> of the scholarly yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't serve the purpose of my scholarly reputation to talk about this, but I figure the whole reason I went into scholarship wasn't to play academic politics. I went into mm. it because I'm committed to truth mm. and got a little bit disillusioned along the way when I found out how much academic politics there is, not, not at my in my institution so much, but just in general. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I knew I was sticking my neck out, especially with the first book. That's why I worked so hard to document it yeah, so thoroughly, because I didn't want to be totally like nobody's ever going to read anything I write again. Yeah. But um, the reception from other, most other Christians was, was pretty good. I mean, it was, it was great with, uh, Catholics really liked it, and Protestants, uh, evangelical Protestants really liked it. Some of my mainline Protestant friends privately expressed their encouragement, but didn't say anything out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But anyway, um, but then from atheists, some, some were respectful in dialogue, especially in more academic settings. 
some were predictably, especially online, <laughs> were predictably oh. because you know uh, you have yeah. to discredit this. Or, but my my argument is not like you have to believe in God. Look at this. My argument is look at this. <laughs> Just, exactly. You know, take it into account for your worldview. Uh, if you can explain it some other way, and you know, sometimes there there are other ways to explain it. Recently, there was a a doctor, and actually not a. Uh, actually, he he's a Christian, but he's yeah. I think he's a a cessationist. Now, most oh. cessationists I know believe that God still does miracles. Yeah, but this one, I got the impression he doesn't believe God still does miracles. So he's like what you might call a hard cessationist. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not a cessationist, but I have plenty of friends who are, and sure. they don't object to the accounts in the book because they say God can do anything. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but, um, so he was trying to explain the stuff away and, um, there's something called global medical research Institute okay. where they actually get doctors and, and specialists to examine the cases. So like one of the cases is a woman who was blind from organic causes for 12 years, mm-hmm. clearly documented. Mm-hmm. Her husband, you know, they, they had never seen miracles before. They weren't particularly charismatic. Yeah. Um, many of the accounts are from charismatics, but they sure. weren't. Sure. And, and they, uh, uh, the husband just in desperation one night during the family devotions cried out, God, please help my wife. And suddenly she could see, and it's totally medically documented. It was written up in a medical journal. And so the doctor wrote this like scathing review. Uh, the, the the more skeptical doctor wrote this yeah. scathing review of my book, which I think really misrepresented what was in it. Right. But I, I don't question his motives. I think he just wants to make sure people don't you know, stop taking the medicine or something, which I agree with, but right. anyway, don't, don't stop taking your medicine, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, the, the, uh, Josh Brown, who's, who's one of the uh, leaders, he's a neuroscientist professor at Indiana university, uh, joined me on this and he responded to the doctor in, in an open dialogue sponsored by Justin Brierley and I mainly left it to them so they could talk science because, you know, I'm qualified as a historian, but for the science, you know, I cite the doctors, I cite the scientists, you know, I depend on them. I can read the stuff, look for good arguments, but you know, I, I I want where possible. I try to get their, their verdict on it. So he was anyway, I think if you, if you see the dialogue, it's pretty clear. I mean, you've got clearly medically documented cases of something organic clearly disappearing instantly. And some of these are being written up in medical journals. Right. And the only, the only thing that may could have made the difference is it happened right when somebody prayed for it to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something else I think you put in there, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that I think it's American doctors, just a higher percentage than I would have thought. Um, maybe you can explain that three fourths or 75% mm-hmm. um, believe they have seen miracles or can you, can you, I don't remember the right words here. Oh, over half of them. 
okay. believe that they have seen miracles in the in the medical sense um, of well in the the context of the question in the survey was talking about miracles like those that happen in the Bible and then asking, have you ever witnessed one of these? And over half of them said that they had. Obviously, those who don't believe in miracles in the Bible, you know, they would explain it some different way as an anomaly. And sometimes doctors actually don't know. I find it annoying that sometimes patients who have these extraordinary experiences don't bother to tell their their doctor that they prayed. (laughs) And, you know, the doctor says, oh, this is anomalous, you know. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, one 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 person, his there was a cancer that that disappeared, and the and the radiologist was like, because I mean, and that, and that can happen, but it was like, like fairly far along. It wasn't like yeah. what, the way it usually happens, and so uh, the doctor said, "Hmm." Um, the, the doctor knew the person was a minister, and and said said something, but he didn't. He just smiled. He didn't tell the doctor he'd prayed. Come on. It's not the doctor's, you know, anyway. Right, right, right. But over half of them claim that they have, they've witnessed things like this. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So in in, um, in one, actually there was this one doctor um, who's, who's an atheist and he's still an atheist, but he, he wrote, he wrote it in a journal article that this patient of his who wasn't who also wasn't a christian stopped at this one at this one place somebody uh in a church he was just visiting as a site you know a historic yeah. site and somebody there prayed for him and he was you know he he this was like he was going to this site because he was dying and he just wanted to see some different tourist sites he was completely healed and the doctor wow. writes this up and says you know, I'm not a believer. My patient's not a believer, but this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. I just, I love that. Well, I, I'm reminded I had a friend many years ago who, um, because of circumstances of a loved one that was not healed and who had a ton of faith was i would say not healed here on earth certainly healed in the presence of god and that's far better but um i i recall that he tested god because of some of this frustration and hurt and said okay well god and he does not have a relationship really with god in my understanding and so he said well if you want to heal me and it was an eye situation, it was so many years ago that I don't even remember what his specific prayer was, but I do remember that he was healed. Um, Whatever it was not documented or anything, even today, if I were to ask him, do you remember that you prayed and said, God, if you are real, you can do this. He would say, I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. So that uh, that's a different kind of blindness that we're talking yeah. about of uh, than spiritual blindness. But boy, yeah. it just looks like God is moving and working in so many different ways. And like you said, just I mean, you know, the natural, incredible beauty of this day that He's given us. 
Um, there's so many things, the, the medicine that he does give us, the doctors and nurses that are called to these things and other medical practitioners that are dedicated to yes. healing and health and, and all yes. of that nutritionist and, and all of yes. the God is at work in so many different ways. Um, and yet I, I just personally am also encouraged on top of that, just of God's power and grace that he still shows up today throughout the world um, to show new people or to encourage people that that prayer matters and i do I do feel like for some of us in America it's just uh, in the Western mindset we just don't bother to ask um, and we don't bother to just be open and maybe God wants to do something beautiful and miraculous just because he's God. And uh, I really hope that people will give him a shot. You know, I had a conversation with a friend the other day who is, I think he's more in the Baptist camp of, well, yeah, God still does wonderful things, but there's not gifts of healing and there's not this. I mean, then we just start arguing about semantics. But, um, you know, I said, well, if if somebody prayed for healing a hundred times and, you know, 90 times nothing happened, but 10 times it did, or even one time it did. I mean, I would still want to pray and I mean, give God that shot. So, uh, man, uh, but I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. And I think I, I love your approach as a scholar and researcher that is, you know, really documenting these things just uh, I think it's so much better than just anecdotal evidence and you know mm-hmm. some of the footnotes that you have are just so much fun to go through and and see I think there was a, a blind woman who um, then there's a about a six minute testimonial video that you can find who was healed as a you know an evangelist was talking and came mm-hmm. up to her and mm-hmm. and just you know commanded that she be able to see or whatever and Mm -hmm. and then you know you can watch the video of it happening and of course some of the skeptics you know i think i think early on maybe there was you know somebody who was paralyzed i'm i'm getting it all wrong you're so much smarter than me Uh, i love hanging out with smart people i'm i'm good with it i'm okay too but uh uh, who was paralyzed for a long time and then still when they were healed skeptics still thought Uh, do you remember that story at all? That yeah, that's, that's Gillian Knox. And I interviewed you so remember many people. their name. <laughs> so, well, I wrote the book, but yeah. No, but, but I, you I, didn't write it yesterday. Well, I didn't remember. I don't remember all the names. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I interviewed people who knew her. And of course, there's videos from all the years that, you know, she was paralyzed for 22 years. 22, okay. And it was after an automobile accident. But then when she was... She was healed initially, you know, her, her muscles are still atrophied because, yeah. you know, she hasn't walked for 22 years. So she's got people holding her up on either side. But for the first time in 22 years, she can feel from her hips down. She can actually move her hips under her own power. People said, ah, oh, you call that walking? Because uh, she had people helping hold her up. But a month later, after she's had time to exercise those muscles yeah. s- some more, she walks in under her own power. And the best explanation I heard from a skeptic for that is, uh, maybe she just faked being paralyzed for 22 years. I mean, who in their right mind is going to fake it for 22 years? I mean, that's rather inconvenient. 
but but then uh, the one you mentioned about the the woman on the on the video, yeah. you know, I inter- interviewed her. Uh, her pastor still keeps her old white cane in his office. Mm. Everybody in the church knows about it. I mean, since the book has come out, somebody came up to me and said, "Yeah, I, I was from that church. I know her too." But it's you know the things are uh, there's 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 good documentation for a lot of it, and of course. People, people can give accounts. So many people give accounts, you know, and if you don't know them, you have to weigh it. If you do know them, sometimes, well, they do exaggerate. Sure. But then there's other people where you just, you know, the testimony of a reliable witness is itself evidence. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. That is and we, good. Would, we would accept that. I mean, if it's a traffic accident, you know, right. the, the officer is interviewing people who were witnesses and somebody comes up and says, that's not what happened. And you say, well, can you tell me what you saw happen? I didn't see anything happen. I wasn't there. That's why I know it didn't happen. We don't take that seriously, but that's how people treat miracles. Right. And you can say, well, because we know that miracles don't happen, but that's a presupposition. And after a while, there's enough cumulative evidence you know, with the medically documented cases and right. so on. I mean, Josh, Josh Brown, you know, he was, he was focusing on the medically documented cases, but also he was in Mozambique where they did test people who went from blindness to seeing and deafness to hearing. And uh, those, those are medically documented, but he actually witnessed blind eyes being opened while he was mm-hmm. there. So uh, I would, I would count that very heavily. I mean, David Hume said, you never have witnesses who are credible, educated, have something to lose. Here's a neuroscience professor. I mean, he has something to lose in terms of his reputation for testifying of this, but it's what he saw. Right. Yeah. And I, I love, again, just so many, you know, so many stories that you use of doctors and doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, who began to pray when they, or they saw something miraculous so they incorporated more prayer but there mm-hmm. are you know for the skeptics and people i think it's just it's great i mean it's it's great for me and i'm not i'm not a skeptic i'm i'm coming in you know excited to hear about god's god's move around the world uh, but i think for other people it's going to really encourage them and the stories you're just so smart you're just so brilliant so all the stories that you you choose of unbelievers being healed and infants and babies and the doctors themselves uh is just uh just beautiful so like i said i was i was moved to tears at times by the goodness of god and and also even the hard things that people were going through to get to the goodness of of god um, but it's it's just beautiful. So I'll call you Craig one more time, and then I'm gonna say uh, that I'm gonna say Dr. Keener. But um, it's I want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else you just want to say. But I I've taken more than enough of your time. But appreciative. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I did want to say uh, yeah. what you said earlier about the one in the Baptist camp. Uh, actually, there's a range of views of Baptists, and okay. Um, I, I actually was ordained as a Baptist minister yeah. um, in a in a Black Baptist church uh, yeah, back in the nineteen nineties. So love I've been that. I've been uh, ordained now in two different denominations at different times. So yeah. Assemblies of God at one point and Baptist at another. But just to say, but I hang out with everybody. So yes. whatever. Um, yeah. But also, there, there was a survey done 
by by Pew Forum, very respected survey organization, I think in 2006, where they interviewed people uh, in 10 countries, and they were interviewing especially Pentecostals and Charismatics, but the, the total number of those who claim to have witnessed divine healing comes out just in those 10 countries and just among Pentecostals and Protestant Charismatics to be 200 million. And, and that's just Pentecostals and Charismatics in those 10 right. countries. But as a control group, they used other Christians, those who didn't claim to be Pentecostals or Protestant Charismatics, and about one-third of them claimed to have witnessed divine healing. So that's not to say that, you know, anybody's going to say, okay, well, every one of these cases can only be explained as a miracle. But it is to say you can't start with the premise that David Hume started with back in the 1700s of saying, there are no credible eyewitnesses for this. I mean, you've got hundreds of millions of people claiming it. You can't just write it off. Right. Just saying, well, no, nobody who has ever witnessed this. And uh, China was was not included in the survey. But around the year 2000, there was a report from within the China Christian Council, which is affiliated with the Three Self Church, that suggested about half of all conversions in the previous 20 years. Mm. So like millions of people have been converted through what they called faith healing experiences. Mm. Some of the house church estimates, especially in rural areas, were even higher. So, I mean, there's no way to quantify exactly how many people that is. But we're not just talking about people who started with Christian presuppositions. We're talking about millions of people around the world who were not Christians, who became Christians at great social cost to themselves because of something they witnessed or somebody close to them witnessed, which would be something more. I mean, I'm glad when the headache goes away, but you know, that, that wouldn't be normally precipitate you changing centuries of allegiances. So. Yeah. Just to, just to say there's a lot of people who are witnesses and some of them have very dramatic things and people shouldn't just write it off. Right. That's, that's wonderful. Well, I'm going to ask, and I'm sorry, I'm stretching your time, but you, you mentioned China and uh, made me think of the story of the man who went and prayed for uh, either a high ranking communist official or a well-to-do Chinese communist official. Um, Do you remember that story enough to retell it? I remember a couple of them. Okay. I think I'm thinking maybe this is a raising and. uh, Okay. That, that, to, it, yeah, because there's there's one where there was a high-ranking official whose wife was dying of a brain tumor. I think that was only in the first book, though. Okay. But yeah. she was healed, and they, they all became Christians. But um, <clears throat> this other one was um, – this other one, I didn't interview the person. This was uh, reported by somebody else, so I'm, I'm citing their report yeah. in the book. But, yeah, the guy went and – and asked, said the Lord sent him to pray. And they said, well, it's, you're too late. The person is dead. And he said, well, may I pray for them anyway? So they took him down to the the refrigeration unit, yeah. uh, pulled out the, the slab, and you know the body already had the toe tag on. And he, he prayed, and nothing happened. And they laughed at him. And he said, I'm coming back to pray again. 
so for them, this was kind of entertainment. I don't yeah. think they would normally let <laughs> let a person come do that. But anyway, right. uh, he came back uh, because the he felt like God day, wanted correct? him. To. Yeah, so I think it following, was the following day. Uh, and and prayed again, and nothing happened. And he was feeling so embarrassed. Yeah, He said, I'm coming back. And he came back one more time and prayed. And he saw movement, but they didn't see any movement. Okay. So he left. But then the guy came back to life. And it precipitated a lot of <laughs> a lot of surprise and conversions in that yes. hospital. Yeah, and I love that. I love that. I, it's it's not the the end all. It's it's a sign. It's pointing people towards the goodness of God so that they can know God. It's encouraging people that need their faith encouraged. Whether it's sharing testimonies so other people will come to know Him, mm-hmm. and it's a foretaste, as you said, you know, of just man that day when we don't we don't have to pray for cancer to go away. We don't have to pray mm-hmm. for the doctors to have wisdom. We don't have to pray any of that. We're just going to be in his presence and, uh, man, look forward to that resurrection body. Well, Dr. Keener, thank you so much. What an incredible blessing to me and to the people that are watching and the people that are going to pick up this book, Miracles Today. And uh, my smarter friends, you can get the uh, academic work uh, as well on miracles. But the supernatural work of God in the modern world. And we just barely touched on some things. You just did such a great treatment um, in this book. And uh, it's just been a real blessing to me. And I look forward to, uh, to it blessing so many other people. So thank you so much, Dr. Keener, for your time. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Steve. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Man, what an incredible time talking to Dr. Craig Keener. His book is Miracles Today. Cannot recommend it enough. If you want to just have your faith encouraged and strengthened by the testimonies of what God is doing in America today, but around the world, just to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still at work. And I don't know what kind of prayers you need to offer, but sometimes we just need to give God the opportunity to show his glory, to show his power. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to ask and to seek and to knock. And I know often he will say, wait. And I know often he might even say, no, I have something better for you. And often he will say, my grace is sufficient for you. But I don't want you to miss out on the time where God just says, yes, yes, yes. The Apostle Paul understood that. He was the one who asked three times for that thorn in his flesh to be removed. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. But he is also the man who prayed for the young man who fell out the window dead and saw him raised to life and saw many other miracles. He talked about the grace and power of God. And he said it this way a lot better than I can say it in 2 Corinthians 3.12. And this is how we sign off. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.